when I started out, I was, I tried to deny my female side a lot. I was trying to run with the boys too much. And I wish that I would have really celebrated and, you know, advertised that my female, my femaleness being a plus instead of a minus early on in my career. I think I've embraced it now, but back then I was always just trying to kind of run with the boys and I really was frustrated that I was female. This is Women Killing It. Each week, women who are killing it in their careers share their stories and advice for making it in today's working world. Your host is Sally Hubbard. Today's guest is Jolene Poydar. She's also known as DJ Jolene. DJ Jolene is the founder of the House Channel for the popular digitally imported internet radio station, and she's also taught at New York's Scratch DJ Academy. Jolene, you are killing it. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So I'd love to hear about your career path. How did you become a DJ? Well, I grew up in the East Bay of California, San Francisco area. And I came from a really religious background. I went to a school where they didn't believe dancing was, um, you know, it was forbidden. It was kind of like a footloose school. I was going to say, just like footloose. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And I uh, always thought it was really strange that they forbid something that felt so good. And that was an amazing energy releaser and just fun. You know, what was so evil about this dancing thing? So, of course, I veered to the opposite extreme and really fell in love with music and realized that there could be a career out of making people dance. And it just fascinated me. When I was doing my um, little background research I do before these interviews, I saw that you have a degree in religion and philosophy from Oxford. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I had like, to okay, figure degree, it all out. <laughs> degree in religion and philosophy at Oxford turns DJ. Now, that is a different <laughs> career path. Well, it's funny because when I was going to Oxford, I would take a bus into London every weekend to go hear house music because I was just, as soon as I got to college, I went to a school in the middle of Missouri and there was a Chicago DJ there that just really turned me on to house music. And so I just, Loved it, needed to buy the records, just always wanted to be a part of the scene. So that was really why I went to Oxford, was purely to get to London to listen to the music. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. (laughs) So what drove you to go study religion at at Oxford? Um, Well, I was kind of fumbling in college. I didn't really, I went to an all-women's college, actually, in, in the middle of Missouri, And I didn't really know what to specialize in. I went from communications because I was so into music, but then that didn't really interest me being like a TV broadcaster or something. Then I went to art and then I finally just landed on philosophy and religion because I really liked getting deep into the, the ideas and kind of figuring out why each person had this different perspective and why religions have these different perspective, but they're all kind of reaching the same goal. So it was really fascinating to me. I would study religion and then do DJing on the side. So you were already DJing back in college? Yes, that's when I started, is when I was in college. I worked at the the college radio station, 
And I had never experienced like goosebumps up and down doing something. And I remember my first shift, they were teaching me how to do it. And it was a new age section. It was two hours of new age music. And for some reason, even though I was playing what I considered not very good music, I was still getting a huge rush and hit from it. So I thought, hmm, maybe this is something that I should look into for myself. And then from there, because I had already been dancing and going to clubs, I decided to try and figure out how to DJ. So were you doing, um, were you DJing when you were in um, England or, or when did you um, When I was in Missouri, doing... yeah, when I went to the Women's College in Missouri. Is when but I then started. when you were at Oxford, did you do it or you were at that point just going to the clubs? I was just going to the clubs in London, yeah. And, and then, then when did you make it your full focus? So after I graduated from college, I went home for a little bit, and then I decided that New York was a place that I needed to be to, in order to DJ. So I came here and, and got lost a little bit. I, got, I went into fashion for a little bit. And then I just realized that if I wasn't going to do it, I was never going to do it. So I needed to quit my job and do it. And that's what I did. I quit my job in fashion and just went out and tried to get as many DJ gigs as possible. Is it hard to make a living as a DJ? It can be, yeah, especially in New York. For some reason, they're the best DJs in the world, but the pay is probably the least as far as just regular clubs and bars. Um, so it can be tricky, but I tried to incorporate all these different things. Like That's when I started doing the internet radio station um, and also teaching at Scratch to come, come up with other forms of income in order to be a DJ. And now you also have a podcast called the Color Splash Mixes podcast. Yes, I started I, that probably about two or three years ago. Yeah. And um, I wanted to do something for 60 minutes, have a, have a mix that's a continuous mix and that people could listen to in the background while they're coding or doing their artwork or also in the foreground if you're, you know, working out just a really... It's a continuous mix so people really respond to that. They like that there's no breaks in it. And I try and pick really um, great, uplifting, groovy, baseline music in order for people to uh, connect to it. I put it on last night when I was uh, folding laundry. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, it put me in such a good mood. I was, I was just like, this is, I've got to listen to this every time I fold laundry from now on. <laughs> but I also have been really um, one of the challenges that I have out there to my listeners is the find your joy challenge. And I'm trying to get everyone to connect with something that just brings them pure, pure pleasure and joy yeah. in order to become more focused on um, their, their self and their own um, pursuing their own needs and interests in, in their career as well. Yeah. Um, and I've been really struggling. Like what brings me joy? I, I kind of forgot. Right. I mean, I've just yeah. been a mother working, an employee, everything else. Right. And I was listening to it last night. I was like, I think this is definitely going in the joy category. <laughs> Maybe I'll wake up one morning before the kids are awake and just have a dance party by myself <laughs> listening to this. That's the, that's the goal. So I'm glad that it hit you that way. Because um, the reason why I started the podcast is because I, was, I started working out at home. And I really needed good music to work out to. So I did all the DJs that I knew, their mixes and everything. And then I found myself growing tired of listening to other people's music. So I thought, well, why don't I challenge myself 
and do a podcast. Um, and I'll make sure that I do one a month. And each uh, mix is correlated to a Pantone color because I love color so much. And so uh, each mix has the name of the Pantone color that's associated with it. And the mood of each mix is a little bit determined by the color that gets picked as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Quick question, guys. Have you joined my email community? I share all kinds of tips from the amazing women that I interview on how to kill it in your career. My emails are all about us working together to maximize our career results and our happiness. So we're filling the mentoring gap for women and we are lifting each other up. When you sign up today, I'll send you some awesome emails, including my seven step action plan to killing it. To sign up, just text all one word, killing it to 38470. That's three, eight, four, seven, zero. And the word to text with no spaces is killing it. Now back to the show. Um, what are some of the kind of highlights of your career so far? One of them was I was offered to play a gig in Tahiti. And that was really amazing because they don't speak English there. And I had to communicate everything through the music. And by the end of the night, I had a packed room with people dancing on tables, screaming and yelling. And it was amazing to connect to people that, you know, I don't even speak their language. And yet I could connect uh, through the music. Something like that is just really um, gives you the biggest rush. So your career path has been pretty windy. I know. You, so you've also been teaching classes. Yeah. Um, at the uh, the Scratch New York Scratch DJ Academy, what is that like? <laughs> DJ uh, the Scratch Academy was formed by one of the the DJ of Run DMC and his partner Rob, and uh, they decided that they would teach people how to DJ. Because when I started DJing, you just had to buy turntables and invest in a lot of money, and then you just sit in your bedroom and you'd figure it out. So they decided that people needed, you know, to figure figure it out, figure whether they liked it or not without investing this huge amount of money in the technology that it took or the equipment it took to to do it. So most of their um, most of their classes were geared towards a hip hop style of DJing, which is super cool, but it's not something that I do. My the whole thing with house music is that you want to be able to mix two songs together seamlessly so that the dancer doesn't even realize that the song might have switched. So I would go in and guest teach um, and people that were interested in electronic music would need to know the techniques on how to to do that seamlessly. So I bring my vinyl in and I would show them how to do it, which is, it's different than uh, DJing hip hop, which is kind of what their main focus was. So one thing I think is really interesting about your story is that you kind of knew quite young what your passion was, like in college. Yeah. But it took you a bit of time to get to get there and to really know that this is where you needed to focus. Yeah, I think I needed the, cur the courage to do it, you know, it was quite scary to quit a job where you're getting paid a regular salary to go try and do what you really want to do. That was pretty scary. And what gave you the courage to do it? 
I just, I realized that I was getting to a point in my career that if I were to get promoted, I would never do what I really wanted to do in life. And that really scared me for some reason, because I knew I'd be stuck somewhere that was okay, that I, I could like, but not that really, you know, the reason, the whole reason why I moved to New York was not to get into fashion. It was to do the music thing. So I knew I had to do it. It was, it was kind of like a now or never moment, you know. And now you've gone on, you, you're a mother and um, you've got all the stuff to juggle that all of us, all of us moms have to juggle. How do you, how do you balance everything you're trying to do with your DJ career with uh, all the responsibilities of motherhood? Yeah, it's actually been quite a nice situation for me in that when the kids are at school is the time that I use to preview all the music of the week to figure out what might go on my next mix to figure out what's going to go on the radio station. Um, I feel like it's a really good blend of being able to hang out with my kids and also be able to do what I'm really passionate about too. And I feel like my children really notice the difference uh, when I'm doing my thing DJ-wise as opposed to going to you know a fashion job. They can really tell the excitement when I come home and we're talking. Um, and they're interested in it too, which is quite sweet. <laughs> you know, that's really interesting because I've thought a lot about that, um, is that, you know, us moms, we tend to put ourselves last yeah. and um, think that, you know, we need to put everybody else's needs in front of ours. But actually, it's very interesting what you're saying is that when you started to really respect your own needs and your own interests and your own passions, it actually improved, you know, your ability to be um, a happy mother and, and, your, and to, to share that excitement with your kids. Yeah, I think it's a really good example to show, you know, our kids that, you know, you don't have to be, you, you can follow uh, your dreams. You might have to manage it in a totally different way, a way that you never expected to. But, um, you know, for them growing up, that I want my kids to be creative and artistic and I don't want them to think that they just have to go to some dead-end job, you know, just so that they'll have health insurance or something. But it's, it's okay to take risks sometimes and uh, calculated risks and figure out whether you can do it or not, you know. The health insurance thing is always the thing that... <laughs> I remember I when, when I first um, married my husband, I was trying to convince him to, for us to quit our jobs and travel the world for a year, and that was his refrain. What about health insurance? <laughs> We'd all have much better, more fulfilled lives if it wasn't for this health insurance thing. <laughs> hopefully they'll figure out. Uh, hopefully they'll make progress on this Obamacare and get it so that it actually, you know, is more affordable. But um, there's a lot of changes that need to happen for that. But it's interesting how those things can really hold you back. Yeah. Um, from your, from your passions and you do have to take those into consideration you know we, we're not just you know everyone's got to pursue what they want to do you know you do day-to-day -day life is a grind and you got to figure figure it out somehow you know oh definitely how has it been being a, a, a female dj i mean are most djs men yes and when I started, actually, I didn't know one other female DJ. It was a really weird situation in that I couldn't think of one girl that I knew that DJ. And but for some reason, I 
I didn't think about it at the beginning. I just thought, this is what I like to do, and this is what I'm going to do. And then when I started trying to go get gigs is when I really noticed the um, kind of resistance towards your girl, though, you know. And it was so I had to go home and really practice and really figure things out. Um, you know, my skills had to, I felt like my skills had to be a lot better than any of the boys around because I was already being questioned the fact that I was a girl and I had to carry records. This is back in the day when you still brought vinyl to your gigs and I had to carry records around. And uh, they didn't think I was up for that challenge. <laughs> Man, isn't that the isn't that the thing we are hearing so much? Is uh, yeah, there'll be opportunities for you women as long as you're twice as good as the men that you're competing against for those opportunities. Exactly. I've always been kind of a little bit of a tomboy, so it was it was nice to be in you know in a male heavy uh, career, but it was frustrating. And then there was a deluge of girls um, who DJs because they look good. And so then people would assume that I was that kind of DJ. And so then to convince them that now I actually had skills was a whole nother challenge as well. Oh man. Do you think it's changed throughout your career? Do you think it's easier to break out as a female DJ now than it was when you first started? I don't, I don't know if it's easier per se. It's just different. I feel like there are, there are finally female producers which is exciting. And I feel like the female DJ thing, I feel like I bring a different perspective, even with the music, um, than a male would. And that I'm not going to play anything that has anything that's derogatory towards women or that's not empowering towards women in my music, you know? So Super cool. I like that. <laughs> it's also, I really, there's this uh, great, old DJ called Tony Humphreys and his whole thing was you got to get the girls to dance in order to get the guys to dance. I always think about that. Like ladies night, right? <laughs> the music I play is something that a girl, you know, girls might like. And then of course, then as once you've got the girls on the dance floor, you can get the guys there super easy. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. I mean, that, that's, that's the whole thinking behind ladies' night at the bars, right? Get the women to the bars, and that's how you get the men there? That should be a selling point in uh, booking women DJs over, ma over uh, male DJs. Um, so, so how did, so when, when you got, once you got your first gigs, is that how you think you've slowly started to prove yourself? Is just by people getting to know you and, and you know, once you got your foot in the door, did that make it easier? Yeah. Or? Um, well, I had to create my own parties in order for me to have my own night. And then once I proved myself with bringing people in and having my own parties, then I was able to um, get a name for myself that way. So you had to create your own events? So, like a, so yeah. like a guy DJ could just come up to a club and they could hire him for to be work that night but for you you had to actually create your own parties how did you do that well it was really exciting at that time um a lot of people were having underground raves and you know clubs weren't necessarily where people were going out so it wasn't just me being a female it was kind of the way things were happening then it's like an exciting time where 
clubs weren't dictating what you could play. You could play anything if you started your party and had a space that allowed you to, you know, play whatever you wanted. Okay, so Guide Days were doing this too. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's quite an obstacle. <laughs> it was just the kind of the way of the landscape at that time, which was a really exciting time. Um, because before that, clubs would dictate kind of what you would play. And uh, the DJs kind of took control and said, no, nope, I'm actually going to play what I want to play. And people will come and listen to me if the music's good enough, you know. So how did your family react to your DJ career after you grew up very religious and then you get your degree in philosophy and religion at Oxford? And then you're like, guess what, mom, dad, I'm a DJ. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting question because by the time I actually went for it, both my parents had already passed away. So, yeah, so it was actually, I had no roadblocks as far as, you know, what will my parents think or anything like that. It was kind of like, I need to do what I'm going to do because this life is, can be quite short sometimes. So you got to follow your passions now, you know, in the moment instead of waiting too long. I had a previous interviewee named uh, Monisha Capilla who said that um, she had always kind of followed this track that her parents set her on and then her mother passed away and that yeah. that really inspired her to just focus on what she really wanted. Yeah, it's a big wake-up call, I think, especially like my father passed away when I was in my mid-20s and it was kind of uh, really, it was such a big wake-up call for me to know that, uh, you know, we don't have forever. We can't wait around forever. We've got to do what we love right now, you know, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so you're also managing um, the uh, digitally imported internet radio station, and it's got 24-7 programming? Yes. So I run that. So I run the house channel, and basically the way it's run is that you select the music, um, the listeners can vote on it whether they like it or not, and then you take away the songs that maybe they don't particularly like, and um, you keep on giving it new music, and then it gets shuffled um, in order for it to be interesting and new. Oh, that's cool. I like that. It's yeah. like crowdfunded or crowdsourced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good news is, is that I don't have too many songs to delete because the crowd that follows that music seems to like the selections. So that's good news. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you're doing that. You do, you do still go out and DJ at clubs or, or um, is that something you're not spending as much time on these days? It's not something I'm spending much time on these days, but I am starting to think about the possibility of going back out and doing that. Now that your kids are getting a little older? Yeah, exactly. It feels like the right time to possibly go back and do that. But I have sexism to deal with and ageism to deal with, so it might be a tricky thing for me to do. Oh, God, ageism. <laughs> Oh yep. man, you know, I just yesterday saw this ad in the New York City subway um, station that was Dress Barn, which I haven't really thought of Dress Barn in a while, but it was a picture of, of well, they had, a, the ad was great because they had all kinds of different models. They had, you know, 
you know, fuller figured models, all kinds of different races and yeah. ethnicities. And then they had an older model with long gray hair and it said, it's, I'm not the just the color of my hair. And I just Beautiful. said, this is so awesome. And, you know, yeah. I'm so angry that this is such a rare thing, you know, and I, I just know. hope there's more of this because I don't know who decided that, you know, age has, you know, that beauty has an age limit. And I think this I ageism know. is just so rampant. I mean, you look at what Donald Trump is saying after a woman is 35, then she's not, right. he doesn't want to see her anymore. And right. honestly, that may be male sexual preferences, but I don't know right. why we as women let beauty standards that we right. adhere to and, and ideas of value be created by man, male sexual desires. Why are we going to yeah. have that be the frame that we see the world and we see beauty and we see, you know, we, we value age and wisdom instead of just youth, you know? Yeah, it seems like our society denies the fact that we'll ever die, and it also denies the fact that we'll ever get old, so. Yeah, I know. really, I mean, maybe it's just because I turned 40 this year, and I'm in a full-blown midlife crisis, but, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I am just angry that, you know, the value of youth is just so insane, when actually, when I look back at these, I, I you know, I've looked, looked, started to notice younger women and thinking, it doesn't matter how much I work out, there's no way I'm going to look like that ever again. And why does society make me feel bad about that? Because then I think about what was my inside like at that age. And I was confused and I was less yes. secure and yes. I hadn't figured hardly anything out. And now I've figured so much more out. I have so much more um, to bring and offer to the world, I think, at this age than I did when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. And why does society not recognize that? I know. We're much prettier the, as the older we get because we figure out our insides more, you know? It's not just about outsides. Yeah, and I really feel like the whole value of, of value, we know what society values is being determined by male sexual preferences, and that just makes me very angry. <laughs> Maybe we can do something about that. Let's do it, Jolene. <laughs> I say you just embrace it. I say you show up with, like, a gray wig and some granny glasses on and just say, I am the DJ granny, Jolene. <laughs> um, but you still look great you look young and fabulous you. and you know let's let's embrace our changing selves um yes but that's that's really frustrating yeah um this this youth worship of our society in addition to the the having to deal with the the gender bias as yep. a dj um yep. wow um well, um, we're getting close to being out of time, but I have a, a few more questions real quick. Is there anything that you kind of learned that you know now that you wish you had have known earlier in your career uh, that would have been a helpful lesson to, to already know when you started out? Yeah, I think when I started out, I, was, I tried to deny my female side a lot. I was trying to run with the boys too much. And I wish that I would have really celebrated and, you know, advertised that my female, my femaleness being a plus instead of a minus early on in my career. I think I've embraced it now, but back then I was always just trying to kind of run with the boys and I really was frustrated that I was a female. So. You know, I think that's so hard in a, a male-dominated area. And I even I saw um, Anne Marie Slaughter 
who's kind of at the forefront of some of these gender issues and work issues. And she says that she's uh, when she, when I heard her speaking, she said that when it's a really male dominated um, field and women are the first ones at the top, they tend to outman the men. Yeah. And I think that's just a common thing when it's hard enough to have gotten that spot in, in the male dominated profession. It's like really hard to then, you know, take it to the next level and embrace your, you know, feminine powers. Yeah, I wish I would have done that earlier. Definitely. But now you now you feel like you're ready for that and you're you're doing yeah. that now. Yeah. It's okay. I can still DJ better than a lot of boys and I'm a girl. It's fine. <laughs> and you'll get the and you'll get the women on the dance floor, which is, you know, <laughs> that's the straight up business proposition right there, you know. Exactly. And um, one very last thing, you know, um, are there mentors that ha- that influenced you as a DJ, or did you, or you were pretty much going it alone? No, I mean, I definitely got inspiration from hearing other DJs play out. I mean, the fact that Frankie Knuckles came up with this, you know, in the middle of Chicago, is pretty amazing and impressive. And I always veer towards people that had a positive journey or a positive message through their music. I'm not very interested in the harshness or the, um, you know, the drug-centered reality of uh, club music. So I was always looking, Frankie Knuckles, Tony Humphreys, even someone like Yena, who uh, started the race scene in San Francisco, but his music is always really positive and takes you on a really good journey that way. That's really uh, that's, interesting because I feel like people do tend to associate um, dance music and house music with drugs. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. You can walk your dog or, or work out or do whatever you like to do and still listen to uplifting, great music. Or do your laundry, for that matter. Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying to find my joy, and I think this is going to be part of it. <laughs> So if people want to listen to your music, I know your website is djjolene.com. That's djjolene.com. And then your um, podcast is called Color Splash Mixes. Yes, and that can be found on iTunes or Mixcloud um, or any other kind of podcasting situation that you use. And there's also, it's also available on your website, I believe. I saw that too, right? Yep. All of the colors are splashed up on my uh, DJ page. So you can go listen to any of the mixes through that as well. But it's great to subscribe to the podcast because then it can be downloaded and you can take it wherever you want to and not have to worry about Wi-Fi. And then you have it on your, you have it on your uh, phone for that spontaneous workout or walk or whatever exactly yeah (laughs) well jolene it's been so awesome talking to you i'm really excited to see how your career continues to play out maybe if you when you when you re-enter the club scene i'll try to come see you if i don't get locked out for being too old to come to the club (laughs) okay great i'd love that if i can get through the velvet rope (laughs) (laughs) you'll be on the list don't worry (laughs) All right, Jolene, and and um, I'm very inspired also to think about some of these ageism issues that we discussed too. So, yeah, music All empowerment right. through music. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks for your time. Thanks a lot. Bye. 
If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and most importantly, tell a friend about us. Thanks for joining us.